This is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokozan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you. I'm going to give a talk on the topic will be the circle of thoughts, which are, I'm sure you all know what that's about. They just tend to go in circles. So just just observe sometimes a circle of thoughts is uh is like watching a a merry-go-round or a tilt-a-whirl or something or a ferris wheel or something like that it just goes around and around and around quite entertaining uh, if you're riding on it but if you're observing it and it's reaching out and then it stops then it reaches out again and then it uh, magnetizes you or then it um uh, tries to seduce you into some kind of a thought pattern, getting you to add, subtract, divide, passion, aggression, and ignorance, passion, adding, subtracting, aggression, ignorance, turning away, distracting yourself. The way that I understand this, you should just observe it. Don't try to get rid of it. Now, there are other ways of teaching this. There are other uh, lots of other teachers and different, different traditions about getting rid of that and creating a consciousness where nothing is happening or one is, where one is mindful, not interested. And I can say that because I practiced that for decades and taught it to people from the 70s on through the 80s, part of the 90s. not wrong I mean, if you have a teacher teaching you if you have a teaching by all means this is a, a shambhala teaching is very much along this line very valuable way to practice but if you're listening to me i'm saying just look at it whatever is moving that's your object of meditation if it's thoughts about uh, i'm going to be a little bit uh, dramatic here if it's a lot thought thoughts about uh, bringing your ill will to someone else in the form of violence, please just look at that. Don't cover that up because that's coming back. You cover that up by following the breath or some kind of a substitute. Don't do it. Be genuine. Be the thing, the, the idea, the thought that is coming up. Nothing is threatened. Nothing is threatened. There's nothing threatened anywhere. It just feels like it. It just feels like this can't be, I can't do this, this is too much, or whatever. Maybe you're not as dramatic as I am. But how do I know? Because I've been doing this for a while, close to half a century, with a lot of sincerity and a lot of directness and intensity. And you could even say stubbornness. Just watch the rotation, watch the rotation. And sometimes it'll get brighter or darker, goes into the woods, comes back out into the sunlight. I'm sure you've noticed. But that which, that which is observing does nothing. That which consciousness only, not a person. As soon as we push on the merry-go-round or jump on, as soon as you do anything with what arises, you feed, fuel, the illusion of a separate self that is doing something or not doing something. Like my hand is moving, there's no, the only thing that is moving this hand is consciousness. 
There's no being here. There's no personhood here. And there isn't in in your uh, wherever you're sitting, in the chair you're sitting in, and the cushion you're on. There's there's it's, it's unreal. It, but is it it is extremely convincing. And it's coming from beginningless time until now. You can call it past lives. You can call it whatever you want. Actually, there is no such thing as past lives. That's an illusion too. But it certainly looks real. If you start to look into it that way, you will have memories that appear to be someone else's. Or not. Maybe not. It's quite variable. It's very important to extend, if you can, the awareness towards whatever's arising. Whatever's arising, be aware. Whatever's showing up, whatever's showing up outside the building, you don't have to differentiate particularly at all. You can just be aware. Something is moving outside the building, you listen to it. Something is, someone's walking down the hallway, you listen. Someone upstairs is making a racket. Just observe, just observe. Just receive that. And in that way, what you're doing is you're changing your dynamic from being against something or for something or not interested in something. Those are the three poisons and they show up in many, many different ways and seduce us into believing stuff and disbelieving other stuff. And then, you know, here it comes, distracting ourselves from other stuff. So it's the three stuffs. Don't do it. And how do you, how do you don't do it? You watch the way you do it. I'll say it again. You can't stop it. Even though I say don't do that, I know, as you've heard me say 32 times, you cannot help but do this. But it's about being aware that you continue to knee-jerk reaction into something to stop it or to start it or to blend with it or to object to it or to agree with it, explain it. It is about awareness of all of that commotion going on. Don't change it. Don't fix yourself. There's nothing to correct. If you think there is, I'm not saying there aren't ways of working with the mind that show up as correcting. And there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place for therapy. Some people are not ready to do this. This is a very radical teaching that I am. Am I pointing at that? Do you think I'm pointing at something? Look closely. Don't conclude anything. And if you do conclude something, don't conclude that you conclude it. Don't double it up. This is why I call it radical. Radical means at the root of something. And even that is not close enough. It's beyond the root. There is no root. If you feel differently or think looks differently, then go do whatever you want to do. I'm only bringing this to you because I feel so certain about it. So very, very certain. We're all sitting in the middle of a burning house. It's coming apart. It's burning down. You either see it or you don't. And I'm here to say to you, suggest to you, that you could see this. You could realize your true nature, which from the point of view of e ego can be a catastrophe. Or as U.G. Uh, Krishnamurti once said, a calamity. The way he described his awakening, it's a calamity. Kung Fu has called it uh, the final disappointment. All the disappointments leading up to it is the path and the final disappointment. Why would you even want to do something such a thing if it's described that way? I can tell you why. 
If you're here, if you're listening to me, and if you continue to listen to me, you want the truth. You don't want something to believe in. You don't want something that there's all kinds of opinions and ideas on. You want the truth. I certainly want the truth. And from my teachers, I received it. Just watch the rotation. It will speed up, it'll slow down, it'll turn this way. That's why I use the example of a tilt-a-whirl. That's something, uh, the last time I was on a tilt-a-whirl, I was 18, and I got off from the tilt-a-whirl and proceeded to, what's that called when stuff comes out of you? Yeah, it's very sick. But until I became 18, when I was 17, that was great fun. Tilt-a-whirl, you been on a tilt-a-whirl? Anyone here that do, does not know what a tilt-a-whirl is? And when you, if you tell me, then I'll guess your age. <laughs> okay, I have no takers. It goes around and around and around, and it gets dizzy watching. You can get dizzy watching it. Go ahead. Your question. Yvonne, I was just looking at the imagery of the tilt of world as an example of the circle of thoughts. Is that? Is there anything to be seen in the dizziness once we get off that circle? You don't have to get off. That's that's uh, that's getting back into spiritual materialism, trying to get off, accomplish something, leave samsara behind. You're not separate from samsara. Plenty of room for questions there. When you buy, sometimes. Uh, you refer to the circle of thoughts as like, is it similar to zombie thoughts where we are, are we mm -hmm. intentionally re resurrecting these thoughts? Mm -hmm. Because it, it's a security blanket for ego. If we know somebody or something that's wrong, or we know that we're wrong or any position on anything, any choosing, don't choose. When I say don't choose, you might not be able to help it. You might, but you'll be much more aware of how much you're selecting something. Things arise and you select, you choose something. This reinforces the sense of a self who is doing the choosing. So I could say, just be aware that you're choosing, but it's a little, works a little bit better if I say, don't choose. And then you, it becomes more, uh, more uh, defined. It stands out more, the way in which you're selecting things. Go ahead. When you're bowing, how does dependent origination play into this circle of thoughts? So it doesn't. It's not separate from it. So it can't play into something unless it's separate from it. It is. Dependent origination is this entirety. It's the entire thing. Even that is kind of lame because then there's someone saying that. Nothing is separate from anything else, anywhere, never has been. It is an illusion. It's an illusion. The consciousness has come down into a human form, and then we believe that we are somebody going somewhere and that we can win or lose, live or die. Don't believe any of this. What I'm saying, don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. And again, what's the other one? Don't ignore it. Don't turn away from it. Consider what is being said. And then take it to the cushion. Take it to your meditation room. Take it into your life. Don't miss your life. 
by ignoring anything. Go ahead. Sure, Bowling, when you say don't do such and such, and we can't help but do that thing, and we see it with that instruction, does it ever need to become uh, the not doing of that? It could, but it'll happen on its own. It's always about aware. awareness is the key word or understanding, awareness. It's not the thing that arises in the, in, in the awareness. Because anything that arises in the, in the awareness is not separate from anything else that arises in the awareness. We personalize it. We give it its color. We give it its shape. We give it its little story or definition or idea or explanation. We add that on in order to reinforce the sense of being someone going somewhere. More? Less? If, if we're seeing how we're continuing to do something that you say don't do? Yes. Is that enough? Hmm? Is that enough for us to see that? Yes. That's enough. That's all you have to do is see it. It's just awareness. It's just a direct perception of what this is. But if there's, if hope and fear is tugging you this way and tugging you that way, and you're trying to stop hope or get, or get more hope, or you're just trying to stop fear, you'll have to get less, do anything with anything, any choosing, any manipulation at all. And the world is all around us is all yelling at us. You have, well, you have to do that. You have to get a job. You have to get an education. You have to work here. You have to support this or be against this and four and aft and four and aft. With the front of the ship and the back of the ship and the front, you don't know where the hell you're at. And at some point, you just sit down. You just sit down. You've had enough. You don't have to join Buddhism. There's nothing to join. Buddhism that is taught uh, as the Buddha taught, there's, there's, no, there's nothing, nothing to join. There's nothing to believe in or disbelieve in. There's just awareness. Buddha, awake. Dharma, truth. Awakened, truth. What is it? You have to do it yourself. You have to do it as a little tiny dot, a little grain of sand in the middle of the Mojave, in this case. In the middle of the desert, a little grain of sand, that's you. And even that's extra. Sir. Why does the circularity look linear? This part of the illusion that we're getting somewhere we don't, we don't see, we kind of see it a little bit when we think, oh, there I go again. We realize we're coming back and we re-establish, oh, there I go again. Like me, I'm going in circles rather than uh, thoughts and emotions, memories are circular. And that which is observing that, in, if, you're, in, if you're doing anything with it, then you're part of the situation. But if you're just observing it, then uh, nothing is happening there. Nothing's happening. Go ahead. If the thought process looks linear, do we need to try to see the circularity? Nope. Just look at the look at the lie. Just watch the lie. Just watch the illusion of progress. Like General Electric said in 1953, progress is our most important product. 
Are you guys there? Probably not. And what did that mean? Advertisements. <laughs> Trying to sell us something so that they can get money. More? Go ahead. Use mind. What is the apparent drama in a situation? The, the, the fear, that's the self-centeredness, the ego, the illusion that there is a separate being aligned with a particular organism we call a human being, that we are this. We might have a, a little bit of an imagination that we're beyond this, that we have a spiritual dimension also, but, it's, but the, it is the, the body-mind complex that is having the idea of a spiritual dimension. It's not an actual spiritual dimension because that would be the death of the situation. You could say death. Actually, nothing happens. But we have to say something, so we're saying death. Is there a death? Sure looks like it. We have several pictures on the altar here of people who passed away recently. Seems like more than usual. I think there's four of them up there, isn't there? More? Bob Bowen. Go ahead, Bob. Um, you said... Um, you, you, you seem to say that um wait 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 some of you need okay the I question is is therapy is there psychotherapy uh compatible with meditating yeah, <laughs> is psychotherapy compatible with meditating psychotherapy any everything is compatible with everything everything works everything is fine there's nothing to correct nothing to choose if you see it, if, if the aware, if it arises in awareness, do not go to war with anything. It sure, sir, it certainly looks like we should because there's so many things that are screwed up. Looks like, but don't do that. Don't fight with anything. But yes, I would say uh, the way in which you're asking it. I, if I were to say it, I would, I would say, if you need to have a therapist or have psychotherapy, by all means. I have students who who meditate and have a therapist and and do uh, I mean, all kinds of things, do ayahuasca and do, you can do whatever you want to do. But if you come to me and ask me about that, what what's happening there, I might suggest that you limit some things. So I may, but it would do it, I would do it. I don't teach like my teachers taught, more or less from a distance. I teach right in your face. If you haven't noticed. I've noticed that, you know, it's fine with me. <laughs> well, you would, if you, as long as you look this direction and I can give you, uh, uh, give you some feedback, uh, maybe you won't need a therapist, but you still might, you might need to talk to somebody that can work with you, uh, with cognitive behavioral stuff or what are the other things? There must be, there must be 150 by now on Wikipedia. Where's my other therapists? Well, they aren't really mine, are they? Further question? Jen, are you yawning because I'm just being too low key today or because you're tired? I didn't get my nap. I'm sorry. I understand that. No, you don't have to apologize. You can take a nap right now. Depends on volume. Go ahead. What do we do when the practice is exhausting us? Bowing? Well, the way you're using those words, I would say stop or take a break. Go go do something else for a while. 
just check out for a while, go and uh, go take a nap or whatever. Yeah, t take, take, don't, don't push, don't push on it. And then come back when you can. And sometimes the exhaustion part uh, has to do with uh, um, tr trying to push too hard to see something, trying to, and try, especially trying to do that with the intellect, to try to see what is happening, try to understand the, the teachings in such a way that just takes a lot of energy. Sitting practice of meditation, the way I teach it is sit down, hold still, and just receive. Maybe your thoughts, maybe memories about what happened uh, last week, maybe a conversation you've had with uh, uh, someone you work with. Um, it may be uh, reviewing something, going about this and that. Nothing to correct. So this is why I don't teach return to the breath or something and I follow the breath because I want you to see what this is. I don't want you to become a good meditator. I want you to awaken. And you can do that. Well, you've been saying later that it, it does get harder and harder with fewer and fewer uh, credentials. Yeah, it does. When, when is it appropriate to sit with exhaustion as just something that's arising, bowing? Well, I think you'll know. Yeah, you don't know? No. Okay, then then just uh, split the difference. Go and do some work with it a little bit one day, and then the next day maybe go another direction. Go move back and forth a little bit. Take a few days off where you where you don't study or practice at all, and then notice the contrast between that and when you come back and do an awareness practice like Shikantaza, sit down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind, and then go to uh, book study or study uh, uh, the teachings of Dogen or the Heart Sutra or whatever it is we're studying. Notice that sometimes people are more frustrated by the intellectual part, uh, the studying part, and sometimes people are more frustrated by just sitting and looking at a wall or looking at the floor. So it's, it varies all the time, but you need to be the one who um, um, has some kind of understanding about what you need to do next. I wouldn't choose between. Don't do an either-or situation if you can. Just if you get exhausted, go take a nap or take a day off. Don't don't meditate that day if you're someone who is a daily meditator. So when you can take questions for another uh, twenty minutes or so, and then at seven o'clock we will stop. And we're going to have a jukai or a receiving a bodhisattva precepts for uh, Eric Blogsved. You still want to do that? Okay. He still wants to do that. So I'll, I'll check with him again at seven o'clock and see if he does. And of course, you, you did so Araksu, so, 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 so Tarpa. You know what that means? What, what does it mean? I get smart with me. <laughs> Actually, it is. Things are good. One and a half full legalessness. You knew that? <laughs> He's impossible. <laughs> you're going to have to get him one. So anyway, you're all welcome to join that, if you wish, and see a, a, a bodhisattva ceremony receiving the 16 precepts, as it is taught in the Zen uh, Soto Zen tradition.
But in the meantime, we have time for more questions. If you have them, please don't hesitate. Isaac Bowling. Andre Bowling. Go ahead, Andre. Earlier you mentioned ego is conscious or consciousness. Please elaborate. The ego is So it is an aspect of consciousness that is kind of curled up into a, a knot or a, a little container because it feels threatened. It's the paranoid part of the of the consciousness. But uh, if you see what that is, then you see that it's unreal. So it's not threatening. It's not also not particularly accommodating. It doesn't have any positionality because it's unreal. So there may be there, your ego may show up, it may not, but you no longer believe, disbelieve or ignore the ego. So therefore it has no leverage anymore. It doesn't have a vote anymore. There isn't anything voting. No, you have to ask more. Okay. That's all that's all you're getting. <laughs> so you're saying conscious I'm thinking what I'm thinking, conscious yeah. ego because they're both illusion. Hmm? What you're saying, conscious and ego are the same because they're both illusion. Sit some more. Sit more. Sit more. I understand your question, but I would rather respond that way. Sit more, please. Will you? Wow. Thank you. Isaac, was that you? Isaac Bowen. Um, how do I reprioritize my <clears throat> meditation practice? Um, so how's it going right now? Isaac Bowen. Um, for almost a month now, since like middle of Ango, it's kind of taken a back seat by meditation. Um, so, uh, how, how much are you sitting right now? As it going, um, one, one to two hours a day. That's all right. Keep doing that. And then sit when block sitting comes up on a schedule, then you can also join in, I think there's three block sets a week, four block sets a week. So you can find those on the website and join in. If, and that way you have somebody sitting in real time with you. Uh, usually there's one or two people, if not more, sometimes quite a few more. That that seems to be helpful to be sitting and realize there's other people sitting in, the, in, in real time at the same time you are. I say you're doing fine. Just keep going. Is there further questions? Warren Baum. Go ahead, Warren. <clears throat> what is a bodhisattva, Baum? Bodhisattva is a, bodhi means a, a, awake or an enlightenment or realization. And sattva means being, it's Sanskrit. And that is a, um, Thomas Cleary translated that as an enlightening being. So it's a being who is enlightening uh, him or herself or themselves or others. And it's also just uh, on the way to becoming a, a Buddha. Traditionally, there's 10 stages. In some traditions, there's more than that. There's 10 uh, grounds or bumis. And so it's someone who is Who's, who's beginning to see through that there's no solid self and it's still a little bit hooked on other. And they're, so they're actually trying to save all beings, trying to help others. The final understanding, if you want to call it final, because there really isn't any finality, is to see there 
there aren't any other beings. Doesn't mean there aren't bodies, of course there are. But the, the, the separation into different beings is uh, illusory. Don't believe me. I don't need anybody to believe anything. You don't have to believe anything. See it yourself. So it's an enlightening being. So you, you can do that on your own if you like. You can just read about it. You can read the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra, and all the other sutras out there that uh, talk about that aspect of this 2,600-year-old tradition, going back to the Buddha. Or you can find a teacher, if you don't have one, and receive vows, formal vows from that, that teacher so that you can, it's kind of like you're saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm not only going to do this, I'm going to do this with a preceptor or a teacher. And then you, uh, you receive a name, a, a Dharma name that uh, changes you. There's a change of name and a change of, uh, uh, what's the other one? Change of mark, thank you. And the change of mark is uh, less, less warlike. More, and there's different ways of describing this, but this is my way of saying it is uh, um, less, it doesn't mean you have less aggression. You might have more a feeling that you're more aggressive, but less likely to uh, outflow onto the world with your weaponry, whether it's your vocal cords or your finger pointing. Don't blame. All dharmas are without blame. It looks like, looks otherwise, but everything that happens is without a source. You have to realize it. If you, if you just think it, then it, it doesn't work. It gets all uh, full of uh, cobwebs. Spiders of reality, spiders of unreality, spiders of that other thing I can't remember the name of. Some kind of a Sanskrit word, probably. It's all right to be confused. Might be better to be confused than to be positive about any damn thing. Further questions? Sir? She is on mine. What is it about confusion that is so um, rich on the path? Because that is, that is the doorway to awakening, is to, instead of fighting the confusion, blaming something or somebody or anything for the confusion, including your upbringing, including uh, somebody who's deliberately making things difficult for you, is to actually look at the confusion. Because the awareness of confusion and the awareness of uh, delusion, which is confusion, uh, is awakening. That's what the Buddha saw. He did not see uh, strawberry fields forever. He did not see a wonderful God realm. He saw the confusion. And in the midst of the confusion, he saw the truth. And what was the truth? Nothing separate from anything anywhere. It just looks like it. And just like all of these, uh, our friends on the altar, that are, are their pictures are there, uh, including... Uh, uh, Toji, who some of you know Toji, he was a, a close student of mine, received a, a Jukai, what, four years ago? He received the, pre the precepts that we're going to uh, give to uh, Eric this evening. He just passed away. Naveed. Naveed Bowing, um, when you say uh, a solid being, 
Are you referring to the human body? Bowen. Say more. What, what is it you want to know? Um, I want to know if, um, are we going to have uh, a body after we die? Or uh, are we ever going to be bodiless? Or are, are we always having, a, have, having some form of a body? So there's, uh, there's all kinds of, uh, if you want evidence, there's all kinds of things in our life. Just getting spaced out, uh, watching something happen, we kind of disembody because we're so into that thought. And then somebody comes back and said, hey, and then we, we come back to this, even though the, so the body has been ignored for 30 seconds or eight minutes. Just like when we go to sleep, the body, our awareness of body is gone. And then we're, we create sometimes traditionally called an astral body or a body of light. And so then that goes around in circles and uh, we have dreams that we, when we're in the dream, we, we think this is true. What's happening is true. And we are this person in this dream. It might be a different person. So the whole idea of embodiment uh, is it gets more and more um, uh, imaginary that we see that it's unreal. And eventually we see that this is unreal. And when we see this is unreal, but it has a reality, but it's relative. You know, it's it's relative to I'm here and there's a space between us. So it makes this look more solid. There are nerve endings and quite a few of them in our fingertips, in our eyes, in our ears, tongue, nose, mind, receiving, receiving all the objects there. It creates an incredible illusion that we're somebody. Quite astonishing how we are, uh, are um, magnetized by that. We like that feeling. We like being someone. Further question, if you have it, Naveed. Not at the moment. Thank you, Brown. Thank you for the question. Well, there's uh, 41 windows open here, so might be another question on Zoom, or is there one in here? So everybody's totally clear on everything. <laughs> That's good. Yes, sir. You're not clear? Oh, good. Several Brown. Um, why do we like being somebody when it gives us so much trouble? Great question. Oh, you expect me to know? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't figure that out. I don't. You, you want to know why? Um, let's see. Three poisons. Um, um, um. We want something else. It's the second noble truth. There's a first noble truth of the Buddha. His life is suffering. And he was not exaggerating. As we all know, if you're in this room or if you're on this screen, you know that things are challenging and difficult. Sometimes things are difficult and we're not even sure why is that so difficult? It's just an ordinary thing that's happening. And yet we just get really upset by a simple little someone disregarding something or being impolite to us or something. And all of a sudden we're just enraged. Maybe you're not. We want something. The first noble truth is suffering. The second noble truth, we want something else. Whatever's showing up, we don't want that. We want this. And then as soon as we get that, what do we, we want that. We want this. We always want something else, something better, something bigger, something more pleasing, something less uh, obstructive. We always want something else. And we're never, as you could say in the simple words, never satisfied. 
But even satisfaction has a has a tinge of ego to it. There's someone who is satisfied. So more self-centeredness. How are you doing? You satisfied? No. Whew. I was hoping you didn't fall into that trap. Go get on. Go get on, Sometimes you say um, you don't care what happens. Yeah, I lied. I really do care. Mm. But go ahead and ask your question. Oh, I was wondering <laughs> if that meant that you had transcended the second noble truth of wanting something. No, I haven't transcended anything. If I transcended everything, I would just vanish into light. <laughs> Are you doubting me? <laughs> what, what is it you want to know? Uh, I want to know that if, if um, do we ever not want something else? It's possible. But the, the, it's the identity, it's the, the desire may still be there, but it can't find anyone who wants something. So the desire is dependently arisen, pratitya samatpada, dependent origination shows up. And it, so that dynamic is happening. But then since we have a body mind here and something shows up in the mind, we push it away. We don't want that. Or we grasp it. We want more of that. Or we ignore it. So those three poisons create the illusion of a separate being that is aligned with this relatively separate being, this woman, this man, and so on, in a certain uh, dynamic of time and space that is an illusion. And so we, we want something else. It's very simple. Excuse me. Not, not always easy to see that because we, we believe it. We, we believe we want something else. We don't want this. We deserve something else. And, excuse me, we'll even reinforce each other. Well, you deserve that. Or you don't deserve that. I don't know what's whatever they're saying to you. You don't deserve it. You need to get out of that relationship. Are you in a relationship? Yeah, you need to get out of it. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. No, Keith is okay. Oh, I was I was thinking of that other relationship. What's the other one? Yeah, is this fun? Is this fun? Is is this fun? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it fun. <laughs> no reference point. You don't need one. You don't need one. But how do you see that? How do you realize that? You look at the reference points. And you look at the way you clamp down. You don't have to let go of a damn thing. You don't have to let go. Don't do that. Watch the way you're clamped down on something. The way you cling. If you can see the area that you're clinging to something, uh, just observe the clinging. And that will, over time, if you don't push it away, try to stop it. If you don't validate it, justify it, or explain it. And you just look at the, the vice grip you have on some aspect of your mind or your belief system or your relationships just look at that because if you try to fix it then we're spinning you might get rid of it to some extent but it's coming back 
It's just like something goes into the shadows because you push it, but then it comes back around. Observe. And if you see the way you cling and you see it totally, then it, it can't continue because awareness, consciousness, uh, is uh, it's like the sky that thought it was a cloud until it looked at the cloud and then it realized, no, just the sky. Clouds come and go. The sky doesn't do anything. Sky never moves. It can't because it has no existence as a cloud. It can't, it can't do anything like that. Is that clear? It's kind of cloudy. <laughs> I didn't give you a cloud name, did I? I gave you a... What kind of name did I give you? Path. Good. That's good. Jade Path. Jade Path. Yokodo. We've got about four minutes. Yes. I think I was daydreaming when you said, if you see the way you cling totally, and I miss what you said after that, what happened? If you see the way you cling thoroughly and totally, just look at the clinging. It's the object of, of uh, meditation in Shikantaza. When that starts to show up, you see the way you're clinging, hanging on to something, just observe it. What else did you want to know? The result? There's not going to be a result there. There's just the clinging. But that's what the Buddha looked at. How do I know? I don't know. I don't have knowledge. But the Buddha looked at delusion, looked at the clinging, looked at the warfare without covering it up, without explaining it, other than uh, the Four Noble Truths. And it, it can't hold up. It just starts to come apart. There's no guarantee. If you look for results, then... Uh, then you're looking for something else other than just look at the clean, just look at the suffering. More? If you, um, if, if there are others in your sphere of relationships who have an expectation, you yes. say there's nothing to fix. So yes. should we be concerned about expectations of others who have? Well, you, anything that arises is going to be dependently arisen, including your relationships. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you want to know. Spit it out. Don't hesitate. I think it ties into when you say there's nothing to fix. And yet, if we have what we may call a bad habit, or if we're caught in our circle of thoughts, yes. like you're talking about, Look at the circle. If you try to get out of the circle, if you try to, if you get a little respite from it or relief from it, then we try to make that stronger, push that so that that bad habit or whatever it is goes away. Be the bad habit you're trying to get rid of. And, and what does that look like? Looks like crap, probably. Suffering. Remember the first noble truth of the Buddha. Life is suffering. It's not nihilism. It's just nerve endings in the mind, in the fingertips. It's difficult. He didn't, he didn't say part-time. It has to be done with the awareness, not with the thought process around it, circumambulating the thoughts, trying to get some kind of um, grip on it. 
Yes. What role, for lack of a better word, do outflows play when we are, um, when you say be the bad habit that you are? If you're actually being a bad habit, you won't have outflows. Outflows are getting rid of the habit, blaming someone else, being upset with someone because whatever they're doing is triggering your unexamined aspect of your consciousness that comes from beginning of time and into this so-called present moment. That's an outflow. Well, if you didn't say that, or you didn't do that, then I wouldn't feel this. Blame. Triggers. We see it. We see it everywhere. We see it right in this monastery. Not easy. It's very, very difficult. Do it anyway. Spend a lot of time training your mind to see clearly by facing a wall or facing the carpeting or facing something where nothing's happening. So that when you do come into that dynamic, there's more and more of a possibility that you'll see the way you're creating uh, the first noble truth. This is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.